1: I know you'll be alright Even when times get hard And you feel like you're in the dark You will see Just how beautiful life can be When you soften your heart You can finally start To live your truth
3: Hello, my loves. Welcome back to The Truthiest Life. Today's episode is pretty special because it's with my internet friend, Alyssa Chase. She's also the voice of the jingle that many of you love that kicks off this episode. And I think what I love most about this episode is that... It's so easy to look at somebody and think that you know their whole story, whether somebody is happy and you think that they're just happy all the time, or maybe they're a little bit sad and you think, oh, they're such a miserable person. But Alyssa reminds me that it's so important to treat every individual with kindness because you don't know the fight that they're going through. This episode I wanted to do something a little bit different in the intro. I wanted to share what I'm loving lately. Still on the social media break. I promise I'm coming back soon. But I did a little roundup of my favorite things that I'm loving on my newsletter. And it was so well received that I just picked a few other things, some overlap, but just some things that this week brought me some joy. So the first one is my air fryer. So it took me a really long time to warm up to this eyesore of an appliance. I don't usually judge appliances by the outside. But this thing is so big and ugly that I've had it for so long and I've rarely used it because I gotta take it down and then after I take it down, I have to put it back up. But it's actually so good that I have given it the upgrade to permanent residency on my counter. So now that eyesore lives on top of the counter where everybody can see it all day long for at least the next few months because it is so easy to use. My favorite thing about it is how quick. It cooks things that typically would require 45 minutes to an hour. It's cutting that down to about 15 minutes. And it's also super easy to clean. So instead of using the tray in the oven, it's just this eyesore of a big box that just gets an easy rinse down. Favorite things that I'm making are crispy tofu. I just I don't even do that whole process of where you remove water from tofu. I don't have time for that. I just cut the tofu into cubes and I sprinkle some spicy salt on it. I love the spicy salt from Jennifer Fisher. I sometimes put a little olive oil and I throw it in there for 15 minutes. Seriously, 15 minutes later, it is crispy. I've been doing blistered yet candy sweet tomatoes. It's those little cherry tomatoes, salt, olive oil, same thing, less than 15 minutes. And I also just tried roasted potatoes. I love roasted potatoes like breakfast style, but I never make them because potatoes take forever to cook. Well, not in the air fryer. I'll link the one below that I use in case you are interested to make this eyesore a permanent resident of your home as well. OK, I also fell in love with these single serve alote tables from the brand Purple Carrot. Now, I made the mistake of going online to see if I could just order more of them because I got it at Whole Foods. But I'm so sad to report that this is only available in retail and I'm having a hard time finding where, what other retailers carry them. So check your Whole Foods. The brand is Purple Carrot and it's a bowl of rice and Corn and chickpeas, and there's this lime sauce. It's frozen. It's like $5 about. And I don't know. I just haven't been able to figure out what I'm in the mood for for lunch. It's been super snowy here. Five minutes later, I do microwave it and I've got this meal that's just hitting the spot. So that's the aloe table from Purple Carrot from Whole Foods specifically. All right. What else I've been loving lately has been something I'm personally working on, which is refining my ability to be reached and contacted. So this is kind of works the opposite way. I'm refining how much I'm communicating outward by making myself less available. This is a big one for me because as an empath, that means that I'm very sensitive to energy and I get kind of wiped out easily by little things. It's time for me to start thinking about all the ways my energy gets drained and how I can kind of balance that so that I'm staying a little bit more in alignment. So Again, this one is about my email. I have come to realize that I am addicted to checking my email. A lot of people are addicted to Instagram, but now that I've gotten Instagram free for four weeks now, I kind of forgot about it or my thumb forgot about it when I opened my phone. But I hit that Gmail app and I delete something that's junk or I open something immediately. And I don't like this habit because why am I doing that? You know, I'm not... A super important person that needs to be on their email every three seconds. And it's just kind of draining at me and making me not present in all situations, pretty much, whether it's while I'm doing my work, picking it up, checking the email, getting distracted or being at my brother's house down the street, going to the bathroom, check my email, come back. I'm, you know, focused on this email again. But what I'm specifically doing is I'm trying to check my email three days a week and I have systems in place for anything urgent, of course. And I know that this might not be available for everybody. But another practice that I did for a long while, especially when I was working in New York City in my office, was I reserved email checking to when I was at my office. So we're not really going to offices, or maybe you are, but if you're not, maybe it is just having those office hours from, I don't know, whatever your hours are, 7 to 5, 7 to 8. And as convenient as the phone made it for us to check things, it also made us so available that we're kind of Always working. So that's something that I'm personally working on. And I definitely have some more boundaries to put in place to make it effective. But it feels really good to really raise my hand and say, Lisa, you're important, but you're not that important to be reached at all times. You could be more efficient with your time and your energy. Okay. The last loving lately is this quote that I read yesterday. And it said, If you're lonely when you're alone, you're in bad company. This one hit me like a ton of bricks because um, I'm somebody that likes to emit good energy, but I will admit that sometimes even my own energy or thoughts get stale. I think that the thoughts that we feed our brain end up being what we think about, and sometimes I'm guilty of gossiping or replaying what somebody did over and over again or dissecting it too much or, I don't know, just not being my best self. So I think that a lot of us might be going through this feeling of a year in quarantine almost where our... Our energy kind of just feels stale. So I want to ask you, like I'm asking myself, what do you need to refresh your energy to feel like your best self? For me, a big component to that is movement, which doesn't mean it has to be intense movement, formal movement, doesn't have to be, you know, a hit class or anything like that. Even if I just gently am moving my joints and wiggling them around and stretching even, I'm moving that energy in my body and awakening my mind. Also, sometimes I will call on extra help. Uh, One of the things that I recently called on about a week and a half ago was going back to therapy as somebody who's been in therapy my whole life but not so regularly over the last two years i am back in business and i can't tell you how different my energy and my heart feel after those 50 minute sessions all right those are my loving lately's and i hope you enjoyed this little fun intro i'd love to hear from you by either an email or leaving some reviews on itunes that helps me know what you like and gives me great feedback and support. The Truthiest Life. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode with Miss Alyssa. Welcome back to The Truthiest Life. Today we have somebody whose voice you may recognize because it's our beautiful voice of the intro song for The Truthiest Life that I know you all love. It makes us cry, it makes us sing, it makes us dance. It comes from a deep emotional place that is Alyssa Chase. So welcome Alyssa. Thanks, Lily. We met pretty magically where most magic happens over the internet, of course, (laughs) over the DMs. (laughs)
1: It's always going down in the DMs. It's just always. A good reminder, though, of the beautiful
3: friendships that can be formed out of nowhere. And I was coming up with a podcast name and asking my audience for help. Alyssa slid right in. We've chatted before, but like, More loosely. And I could tell that she had some good ideas. And we went back and forth on some names. And since that day, she's been my right hand man for running ideas by her, creativity stuff. And I'm so grateful that we have her voice to lead us into every episode. So, I mean, do you want to sing
1: us a tune? (laughs) (laughs) She's like, definitely not you know, it's gonna be a no from me, but it will, it will, it will be there. I will have led us into this journey. So,
3: well, if you can't tell, this girl is going places, and we're getting her early before she's so famous that she can't do interviews that I have to go through her <laughs> PR person, because the talent and the love and light that you have to offer to the world is just so bright. Even my sister-in-law yesterday was just like, love Find Your Sales. That's a list on Instagram, at Find Your Sales. I'll put it in the show notes. But your stories are just like hilarious, but like spot on, and we love it. And you're not an influencer, but you get on there like an influencer you know like you I play one on
1: tv I always say that Oh, like I'm an I don't I'm not an influencer but I play one on tv (laughs) I no one should trust me to be an influencer I you never know what's going to come out of my mouth really at any moment
3: you have influenced me on Halloween really Halloween oh We were on Facetime, and your place was like decorated in like bats and weird stuff. And I was like, "This girl's out of her mind." And then here, I that was like took the next trip to Michael's to get all the decor that I could find my hands on. So you really know how to live.
1: I do know how to live. We we got it. We just need to live in celebration. I feel like, and what better time than every holiday
3: to ever exist in COVID?
1: Oh yeah,
3: I would have never guessed that somebody like you has gone through something really. Breaking because you're just shining from such what seems like such a natural place for you. And it is natural. It's not like you're forcing yourself. But I was really shocked and my heart broke a little bit when you told me about something major that happened to you. You weren't always this like celebrate every moment type of gal.
1: No, I mean, you know, I think I've always been fundamentally me. But when I was in high school, I was so angsty. Like I thought it was so cool to be negative. And I don't know where that comes from. I think it's just like a teen like a teeny angsty place. But when I look at my like old Facebook posts, I'm like, who is she? That's so not me. I mean, I don't know. I think I think it really does just come from being young and craving that attention, whether it's good or bad. And you tend to get that when you're being negative. So that was who I was.
3: So not just your mindset, negative, your the words that came out of your mouth were negative or mean or what sort of like angst are we talking about here?
1: I was never mean to anybody, but you know, negative down on myself, like Mm. openly down on myself. I just felt like in that time of my life in that time, I really think in a lot of high schoolers lives, that's relatable. Like that's what you relate to. You're like, bitching about your parents or the teacher did something or you didn't sleep well last night so let me brag about it it's like I think it was a way to kind of like connect with your peers interesting
3: okay I mean I definitely had angst but like I would just take it out on my parents and then like be cool with my friends (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) oh well they never took it out on my friends But you know, that's how you like you related. That's what you talked about. Those were the conversations, which obviously now is so different from my life now and my conversations now.
3: Right. You're just this bright light. I can't even imagine you complaining about anything. I don't even think you see complaints. So there was a critical moment in your life. And I know it's probably hard to talk about, but you want to talk about it. I didn't force you to be here. You know, you're here because I think you want to help other people perhaps in some way.
1: So Tell us about a little bit about the day that changed your life. Sure. When I was a senior in high school, my best friend over the summer, she got her license and it was so exciting. I was like, this is the best because you are going to be driving me to school. She lived kind of in the neighborhood that I did. So it was perfect. I was like, we don't have to ride the bus anymore. We are living. And it was probably a couple months into our senior year We were driving to school, and I always preface this by saying, I really don't have memory of this day. It's all just memories that have been built upon what other people have told me to kind of fill in the gaps. So a lot of this is just what I've been told, but we were on our way to school, and the intersection to get into our high school is huge. I mean, there's like two lanes with through traffic on both sides, and then... Two turn lanes on both sides. So it's just a very big intersection. Okay. It was a pretty large school. We had a big student parking lot because a lot of people could drive. And that was an intersection that would get really backed up really quickly. And, you know, kids are impatient. They want to drive fast. Like mm-hmm. if you didn't go in time, people were honking. You, you, that was just what you had to deal with. So the light signal had a green arrow a blinking yellow arrow, and then a red arrow. So we had gotten up to the intersection when the arrow had just went from green to blinking yellow. So we needed to yield to oncoming traffic in order to turn in.
3: Were you going to school or leaving school just to understand like what time of day? This going
1: was. to school. Yeah, it was. It was right in the morning, right before school started. So we were inching up, you know, she's kind of like getting in the intersection, getting ready. I'm like not really paying attention at this point. I think I was probably on my phone or changing a song. I was just not paying attention. And then she started to go. So I looked up and I looked out my window. And this is like one of the only memories I have from that day is I looked out my window and I was just like, oh, God we're gonna get hit. I just you just have that split second of like, this is bad. Yeah. So I braced myself for impact. And that was so that means it's coming on your side, it was coming on my side. Mm -hmm. And which is a really weird thing to just have that split second realization of like, okay, something really big is about to come and rock my world. I'm looking out the window and I see it happening. There's I mean, there's no time. It happens so quick. You just have to I mean, and that was it.
3: You and I also chatted a little before this about like not being in control. That's a split second, but a very important split second of just having no control over what's about to happen.
1: I couldn't even, I didn't have time to even say anything, to be like, oh, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, I didn't have control of the wheel and I didn't have control of that other car that was coming. It was just like, oh, hoping for the best. And that's when it kind of just went black for me. I was told that I was unconscious. So to, I guess, back up a little bit, we got hit by a student at the school we're not really sure where he was going he wasn't turning into the school he ended up hitting our car going about 55 miles per hour so that impact pushed us through the intersection and then we hit another car there was a woman who was just waiting to turn out of the school and then we hit her which i mean must have been terrifying like you're just sitting there mind your own business and then here's a car so after that happened I was told that I was unconscious for a while. And then when I came to, I was like immediately just cracking jokes, trying to make light of the situation, which is so funny because that's just me.
3: You were were told that you do that or you remember?
1: the driver, my best friend at the time, said that, you know, you just, I don't know, like, I was really stressed because you weren't moving, you weren't responding. And then you, like, came to and immediately I was just, like, just trying to make light of the situation. Like, wow, this sucks. Can't can't believe we're here. Like, hey, at least we're missing first period. So (laughs) which I just think is so funny because I must have been like with it, but not super with it, but with it enough to just be.
3: So you're making jokes like while you're in the car still or after? Oh, yeah.
1: You know, I think when the adrenaline yeah. hits you, you sure, like sure. don't really feel anything, right? Like you're like, I'm good. Like everything's fine. Like we're going to be fine. And I knew she was stressed because, of course, I mean, that, that had to have been really scary. I, I think about. So she
3: was like more okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it, I really took the brunt of the impact. She definitely got shaken up. I mean, we really got hit, but it was like just perfectly my door. That was like the main mm-hmm. impact. They had to get you out of the car, right? Right. So we, we kind of sat in the car for a bit while we waited for the EMTs. And luckily there was actually a retired EMT that was around. I mean, you have to remember, this was like in front of the school. So everyone saw it. I, I mean, I just can't imagine seeing that type of accident happening but people saw it happen they came running they got out of their cars we had a retired EMT actually climb into the car on the other side and hold my neck you know, because clearly something was not right. And the driver told me that I turned around and slapped him in the face very swiftly. I don't know why I did that. Like, I think afterwards, I know that it was because I was in so much pain that him just touching my neck, it was my first response. But that poor man, he came in, he was like, I'm gonna help this woman. She's gonna be so grateful. And I just turned right around. So he kind of helped us through talking to us, making us feel comfortable while we waited for the EMTs to arrive. And when they arrived, they kind of just assessed, how are we going? Like, how are we going to get her out?
3: You can't just crawl to the other side and get out. It
1: doesn't work like that. Right. Well, usually, I, I think a lot of that stemmed from them just really not knowing how hurt I was. Mm-hmm. I mean, when they got there. It was a scary crash site so for them they were like who knows like is she okay is her spine okay so generally they don't really want you to move right
3: I will say my brother is also I guess a retired EMT I mean he had a short career in EMT but I do remember him telling me and this is just information for anybody if you're ever in a car accident that oftentimes they'll put you on that stretcher with your neck in place even if it's a more gentle accident because sometimes because of that adrenaline like you said everything kind of feels fine and then you turn your neck a Abruptly and the injury can be made worse. So until they can kind of stabilize and get everything there, they want you kind of in in place.
1: Exactly. You might not be able to say, oh, I'm I'm really hurt. Something's really wrong because you just might not feel that
3: you might not feel it. So just a reminder, if you are ever in like any type of accident, like try and stay still and let them evaluate and be there for any abrupt movements and try not to shake it off. I think is even the smaller accidents can have really uh, physical and of course, emotional impacts on your life or, you know, time
1: to come anyway. So, yeah, how'd they get you out? So they ended up needing to use the jaws of life. I think they tried to open the door, but it was just obliterated. It just wasn't even really a door anymore. So they ended up using the jaws of life, which I think that sometimes your brain will hold on to certain like very traumatic events based on like what was happening. So for that, the noise was so loud. I mean, I don't fully remember it, but every time now I hear a loud noise, I mean, it sends me into a panic panic like immediately
3: so the jaws of life is this big piece of metal machinery that like claws the door off right
1: yeah it's going
3: through metal
1: yeah yeah through metal through glass they had covered me with a sheet which again i have to imagine was traumatic for someone to see right because they had to because there was literally glass just or just
3: traumatic for you too to be under the sheet and not really know like where this big heavy machinery is coming from
1: you know at the time Maybe, but that was another time where she was like, Girl, you were like playing peekaboo. Like, you kept like popping out of the sheet, being like, I was just consistently trying to make light of the situation that I don't even think it hit me that it was a scary moment. And now I can't remember it. So I don't really, I must have been all right.
3: But like, you're also now terrified of noises and there's some PTSD. So even if like you made light of it in the moment and you don't remember it, your emotions are stored within your body and your body is storing that warning of loud noises for like, ah, you know, something bad is happening. So again, I just think everything that we make light of should always be have the opportunity to not make light of it.
1: Sometimes I I don't think if I would have really been with it, I I can't imagine that I would have been making light of it, especially now. I'm like, I just don't think that's how I would react. If I was fully just there to feel that happen. But I think that was just my trauma response. And I think a lot of times what I've learned, especially from that is that is my trauma response, which can be great in the moment, terrible later because you didn't really get to feel that fear. And then it just has built up and. Now, someone's like building a chair in my office, banging on it. And I'm like, I got to go. <laughs>
3: like I got to get out of here. Okay. So what happened next? Do you have memories in the ambulance?
1: I don't. I just have my, my friend rode with me there. So she said that they were asking me questions just to see like, how is my brain working? And they were asking me my telephone number and my address. And I just like really wanted them to know that I was so fine. So I'm like firing off. Every number I can think of in my brain. And we went to the hospital, ended up getting there. I don't remember much, but I do know that this was one of those hospitals where they don't believe in pain medication, like other than Motrin. Hold on, but hold on, hold on. What do you mean? There are hospitals that don't use pain medication? Right. Wow. Yeah, it, well, this one was like St. Joseph, So I think that... The,
3: like because of religion?
1: Mm -hmm. I see.
3: Interesting. I mean, I know of some religious hospitals nearby and Evan works out of St. Francis, but I mean, that's, I did not know that hospitals bring that mindset into those situations. Okay. So you're in a hospital where they don't believe in painkillers. Gotcha.
1: Right. Or, or, you know, at least for someone who they don't think really means it, right. It was like I, my head wasn't falling off. I didn't just get out of surgery. So I was probably okay. So like, let's just do Motrin. Wow. Which was rough, right? Because I'm like, uh, okay. You just got hit by a car, right? Your body just got hit by a car. And and they're like, you are pretty much okay. We want to get you x-rays, which this was another terrible memory for me because they wanted to give me a pregnancy test. I was 16 at this time when I was like a couple months into my senior year of high school, I was 16. So they wanted to give me a pregnancy test before... They would put me through an x-ray because they didn't think i was of sound mind to really tell them if i thought yeah. i was pregnant and i was like i'm like absolutely definitely not unless i am the virgin mary and i am not so no and they were <laughs> like well you, you know we're gonna have to have you take a urine test but you can't get up so you have to like go in this bedpan. and i'm like y'all i've been working my whole life to only go on a toilet. Like you te- you taught me this from when I was a small, <gasps> tiny human to only ever. So I'm not going to be able to do it in a bed. And then they gave me a catheter just to make sure I wasn't pregnant. Oh, We're going to the x-ray
3: to extract the urine that you would not give them on a bedpan. Oof, that was like,
1: I mean, almost painful, as traumatizing for sure. That almost like kind of brought my memories. So like from that point on, I remember what happened the rest of the day. like I don't remember what happened before that in the hospital like what was going on but as soon as they did that it was like I'm awake
3: okay yeah I'm here now
1: he's here so they gave me x-rays and stuff and nothing was broken and they kind of said nothing's broken your mom can kind of clean your cuts when you get home and see you hopefully never and then my dad took me home from there
3: Okay. And so did you feel pain after that?
1: Yes. I remember getting home and my mom was like, we have to get you in the shower. I was like covered in cuts and just there was blood everywhere. It was just not, it wasn't good. So my mom was like, okay, let's get you in the shower. And she was helping me which you know is so weird and hard to be a teen and it's like you like can't even bathe yourself because your body has just been through something it should have never gone through and she was kind of just helping me get soap and stuff and she just barely touched my neck and I screamed so loud and she started crying I started crying it was just like oh no like this is this is just not good it's just that brush of the neck is painful then something's wrong so did she take you to a different doctor I think they spent about two nights trying to convince me to go to another emergency room that was closer to our house but at this time I was so deathly afraid of getting into a car Mm. that I was just like no I would rather be in pain than get into a car again because it could happen again I just can't I don't want to do that
2: Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva, Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store.
4: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global.
3: So in the flash of a second, you go from being an angsty, carefree, you know, 16 year old or whatever to a 16 year old that won't even get in a car to go to a doctor to help you.
1: Right. Just so scared to even think about being in a car, to even think about there being other drivers and me not being in control was so scary to me that I would have literally rather been In excruciating pain, then get in the car and hopefully figure out what was going on and get medication.
3: I want to get into the mental aspect and what happened after, but just to really kind of, you know, I saw some pictures of the accident and it was pretty brutal. And later on, some doctors did tell you that although you didn't break bones, there were physical big things going on in your body, right?
1: Right. So I had had a severe concussion. Your cervical spine is supposed to have a nice little curve to it. naturally. Mm -hmm. And the whiplash that I got from the accident straightened it completely, which is where a lot of the pain was coming from. My neck got sprained. And then my whole spine, I had so many bulging discs that I had more unhealthy discs than healthy discs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as a 16 year old, that's like, what? And all of that Besides like the sprain, the discs and the issues with the spine, those are permanent injuries. So hearing that as a 16 year old, like this is going to be your life now was really, really scary. So hard
3: and such a hard place to get therapy. It's just it's wild. All right. So again, overnight, you go from that carefree 16 year old to a very scared 16 year old and also your body changed like you were no longer, you know, twerking and working like a 16 year old naturally does, (laughs) I assume. (laughs) You're a few years (laughs) younger than me, so I assume that that's what you were doing, to one that really can't even move. Like you're like 80 years old. Right. Our youth is our body and our invincible nature. And you lost both of that. You learned you were an invincible and you learned that all of a sudden your body couldn't do what it used to do. You're just like from fluid to rigid overnight. So what was what was that like kind of returning to school and your friendships and going in a car again? It
1: was really rough. It took me a long time to get back to school, partially because of my pain and partially because I just didn't want to get in the car. I mean, you could not pay me. I remember specifically the night before it was time to go back to school. I had just a full panic attack, full anxiety attack. I remember I was like sitting on my mom's bathroom floor with the door closed. My mom and dad are on the other side of the door. They're just trying to like talk me down. And I am like crying. I'm just beside myself because I can't figure out how I'm supposed to live the rest of my life like this. Like my future right then in that moment was so bleak. I'm like, okay, I've got the body of an 80 year old, I'm terrified to really do almost anything in the car. So that's Everything. a big part of getting places, yeah. right? Being in my senior
3: year, I was either driving or in someone's car or meeting up with friends. And you know, it, it just the car is the place,
1: right? I mean, it's, it literally is it's freedom. Oh, freedom. And that's where you hang out. Yeah. You know, I went back to school. Eventually, I was comfortable in, with two drivers with my dad and with Mr. Willie, who was my high school bus driver. Oh, my God. (laughs) Mr. Willie was the best. He was my middle school and high school bus driver. And, you know, I just felt safe. I was like, I'm in this huge-ass bus. I mean, I'm fine. Like if, if something were to happen, I'd be okay, probably. And then there was my dad and I was like, okay, my, you know, I trust my dad. I feel safe with him. I can say, and I would, I was the worst backseat driver. Mm. I was like, you're not going to go yet. Are you, you know, we'd uh-huh. be like ready to pull out and like, but you're not going to go yet. Are you? Because it's not, there's a car there. My foot would literally travel because I couldn't hit the, the brake. Mm-hmm. My foot would like come up to the dashboard. You know, it was just like these responses that I was having without even realizing. But yeah, so I was driving with my dad a lot. And when I decided, okay, let's start doing pleasure things. Let's hang out with friends and go be a teenager. I didn't want to drive with them. I wanted my dad to drive me, I thought, it made total sense, but I quickly realized it didn't make sense. I They didn't understand where I was coming from. You know, I would get somewhere and I would hear the tail end of conversations. Like, why, like, why does her dad have to drive her everywhere mm-hmm. still? And then miss those moments in the car. It's like that inside joke that happened on the way to wherever they were going. And they're talking about it and I'm just like awkwardly sitting there like, I don't know what they're talking about. It was isolating to the nth degree.
3: And nobody was also talking about anxiety, you know, back right now, I feel at least on the social media that you and I follow, like social media normalizing of anxiety and maybe depression are, you know, kind of commonplace. But high school 16, uh, I don't know what sort of social medias were taking place then, but nobody's talking about anxiety. And you're not going to walk there and be like, yeah, so it's not just the accident. Now I'm also this, you know, head case.
1: Right. I mean, it's it's that is also just It feels so lonely because yeah, right now, social media, people are talking about it. There are movies being made about it, songs Mm. being written about it. And back then, yeah, no, I mean, Instagram was just kind of finding its own. So there, there wasn't really anybody talking about it. So in that, in that time for me, I just felt like, okay, if my best friends don't get it, who is, Mm. who's going to get it? I have no one to talk to about it. No one can relate to where I'm coming from or how I'm feeling. And it was a bummer. It was it was really, really difficult. What happened kind of next? Did you ever learn to drive? Do you drive now? I do drive now. It took me a while to get my license. I didn't get my license until I was like uh, 18 or 19, I think. So a couple of years after. I still really struggle with driving anxiety. I don't usually have people in my car. Nick comes in my car. I feel pretty comfy with him. So that's fine. Your partner. Yes. Yeah, so it's not like I'm driving misleading easy driving my coworkers, my friends around I just tend not to do that because that's just a boundary that I've set for myself I know that I'm gonna get anxious when I'm driving so let me just have me to worry about and no one else but that's still here; that hasn't gone away. I found a lot of ways to kind of manage it, but I don't really hear people talking about driving anxiety too much. And I know that I can't Mm. be the only one who has it. I think
3: with or without an event. I mean, some people have it without an event. So I think, and it's such a necessary part of life to be able to drive or and drive other people. So I think that you're speaking to a lot of people and showing them that it's cool to also have boundaries around it and not to put yourself in positions where you're going to be anxious and then more in your head than at the wheel.
1: Right. And, and there's ways that I kind of deal with it where if I know I'm going to go somewhere, I'm like mapping that out in advance. I'm looking at Google Maps. I don't just open my GPS on the day that I'm going to wow. go somewhere and be like, okay, like let's go, guys. I'm like, okay, let me the night before look at the GPS, see what route I want to take. And sometimes I'm like, okay, I need to take the longer route because I don't want to go that way. That road doesn't feel safe for me. So I find that I want to make that experience as comfortable as possible for me, whatever that means.
3: Yeah. And you're not really angsty anymore, right? Like what changed your whole mindset?
1: So I really remember this day. I was laying in bed. There were a lot of times in that period where I just didn't want to leave my bed. I was just going through it. And I was in bed, it was probably like 3pm. And I was just scrolling looking for a new wallpaper for my phone. And I loved quotes. So I was like, okay, I'll look up a quote on Pinterest. So I'm looking up wallpapers, and I see this one. And it was this black and white picture of this person swinging on a mountain. And the quote on it said, worrying won't stop the bad stuff from happening. It just stops you from enjoying the good. And that quote changed my life. I just realized how true that was. I'm like, what what am I doing? Like, I'm young. (laughs) Like, I can't be in this place for the rest of my life I will be such a sad person and I don't want to be sad that's not what I want you know I knew my physical pain was going to be a constant in my life I was like okay I knew that my anxiety was going to be a constant in my life and that was fine but I also knew that my outlook on life was going to be a constant and that was a constant that I could control Mm. and so I started controlling it I was like okay I can decide how I feel when i wake up in the morning i can decide if i'm going to feel sad and i can decide when i'm going to feel happy and and that's not to say that my life has been so just full of everything good rainbows and sunshine since you know it's hard it's still hard but i knew that i wanted to live a very full life and my mindset before was not going to allow me to live this full life that i'm living now and i think
3: that when we talk about mastering our minds because I, although I didn't ever have that event, there was a point in my life where I, I realized kind of the similar thing that worrying, all it does is steal you from the present, but it doesn't actually help. You know, you're either going to worry when you get to the place if something does happen anyway, or you're going right. to waste, I call it, you know, waste your worries with Evan, you know, because he's he can do that sometimes. And I have to kind of stop him and just be like, you know, pause it back. But it's never like, okay, we learned how to change our mindset and now we're just happy creatures, we're like constantly able to take control of our minds and our physical states. I don't know about you, but anxiety, you know, your heart beats really fast. And when my heart used to start, start beating really fast, you know, the next thing I would think about was, "Oh my gosh, my heart is beating really fast." And da, oh, yeah. right? And now when my heart beats really fast, the internal voice calms me down take a deep breath, Mm -hmm. lower your shoulders, you know, so you learn to get through the hard things a little bit easier and feel a little bit more in control. But again, I just want to highlight that when we change our mindsets in any way, it's not like life is all happy. And, you know, I'm pretty foolish to see you on Instagram and our funny conversations that we have and just think that you're always beaming like this, you know, like I failed to see your human aspect because I, I just couldn't believe anything that I didn't see beneath this one version of you that I know kind of well. And I think even on social media, we oftentimes, whether it's our friends or not, we see this one version of people and we think that's how they always are. Even when we watch reality show stars on TV, like we see them for one hour out of a day and we exactly assume that's who they are. And so we judge them either positively or negatively or we compare them. But nobody is how they usually present. Like we are creatures of all these different elements. That was a little bit of a side note. But I mean, what a powerful quote that woke you up from that moment and really changed. Do you think that you would have found Nick, your partner, if you were kind of vibrating at your other frequency than the one that you vibrate now?
1: No, you know, I think I think often about that. I think about where would I be? Where where would I be? And I, I don't think that I would have attracted the light that I've attracted without changing that mindset. Mm. And boy, would I be sad? Because it probably wouldn't have met you. And I probably wouldn't have met a lot of the people that I love because I was just not in that headspace. I wasn't in that headspace to attract light, light people and or people who've gone through hard times and are light. You know, it's just I wasn't there. And I'm grateful that I figured out how to get there.
3: And a lot of people with if you listen to our episode with Kelsey Patel, she was also in a, a, a very bad car accident that hurt her back and the pain prohibited her from changing her mindset. Do you get pain
1: still in your back? Yeah, I do. It's crazy what physical pain can do to your mental state. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be like, all right, I'm going to be good. Everything's great. But doesn't matter because once that pain starts hitting, it's like, All of the thoughts that you had that you were having before that I was having before when I was 16 of like, this is bleak, like this is gonna be my whole life, I'm gonna have to deal with this just start flooding back. Yeah, like a tsunami, you know, where Mm -hmm. you're just like, this is this is it this is something I'm gonna have to deal with sometimes and do you do anything for the pain so I, I had a lot of physical therapy and the last physical therapist that I had was kind of like that this is as far as I can get you mm-hmm. we would rate my pain every time I went and at some point she was like this is as far as I can get you like you you're gonna just have to kind of manage it so I tried to get enough sleep that's huge for me mm-hmm. if I don't get enough sleep ooh. My mental state's not good, and neither is my body. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy the healing that your entire body and brain does when you sleep.
3: Thousand percent. All that garbage gets taken out, and the healing happens, and the nourishing. No more poopy brain. No more poopy brain. That's what we call Mm -hmm. it when you get bad sleep. If you haven't heard me talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) No, but yeah, I think that that's a great way to kind of also just help people with something that's free, and remembering that sleep is really key to that mental state and that physical and emotional pain. Well, I think that, you know, you've really given us a lot to just think on and help. But like I said, you'll you'll go follow Alyssa at Find Your Sales. By the way, what is Find Your Sales? What does that mean?
1: It was my senior quote. It was a quote that said, So post-accident. Away. So it was, yep, yeah, post-accident. Can't remember who the quote was by. Don't even know if there was a person but it was like said sail away from the safe harbor catch the trade winds in your sails that was just a small part of the quote so when i when i hear that sail away from the safe harbor like you don't you don't need to feel comfortable all the time the m- biggest joys in life come from your discomfort and in order to sail away from the safe harbor
3: you have to find your sails yeah so as you can see find your sails on instagram you'll go to her page and you will just laugh and feel so connected to her because you you're just amazing and you're living your truthiest life. And I just love the joy that you spread. And I'm so grateful to have you in my life. And now the truthiest life community knows the beautiful story behind the girl with the vocals that is one day going to be too famous for us. But <laughs> we got this interview in early. So remember where you started, Alyssa. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm so grateful for you. Is there anything else you wanted to add regarding your story?
1: No, I don't think so. I'm so grateful for you. Oh, Right back at you, girlfriend. And
3: then the question that inspired the question that we ask everybody. Oh, yeah. What type of tree would you be if you were a
1: tree? 100% an apple tree for like many reasons. One, they're cutie. Like we love an apple tree. Two, I can give everyone shade. Just Mm. a nice, safe place to rest.
3: Okay, not shade. And I can give,
1: oh, yeah, like we're not like, reading someone like giving them shade. Yeah, yeah. We're giving them just physical shade Aww. so they can rest and I can give people snackies because I make apples. I love that. Okay. Do you think that everything happens for a reason? Personally? Yes, I do. I think everything happens for a reason. But I think it's important to note that that's a decision that we all have to make for ourselves and never project that on others, right? My yeah. friend's going through something rough. The last thing they need to hear is like, everything happens for a reason. Ew, gross.
3: Doesn't work. But
1: for me, yeah, I do. I do feel that way.
3: Yeah. And I don't ask that question with like a way that anybody should feel. I'm just curious, you know, given that I talk to people that have been through hard things,
1: what that quote means to them. It's awesome. I love hearing that from people because I think it says a lot about people. I really do. I think it says a lot about people. Nothing good or bad. I was going to say nothing good or bad.
3: I just find it interesting,
1: the thought process behind that. I love it. And I love when people have answered that on here because it it gives me a lot of insight into them. Well, find your
3: sales on Instagram. Alyssa Chase, everybody. Thanks for bringing your light here and helping us remember that it's never too late to take our mental power back and shift into really living, I think, our highest power. That's what I see with you.
1: I agree.
3: Love you. Thank you. Love you. Thanks.
0: You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this.